Small Business and Startup Stories DSM features conversations with small business owners who share both their victories and failures on their path to success. Small Business and Startup Stories DSM is produced by the Greater Des Moines Partnership. More tips and resources are available at dsmpartnership.com backslash small business. I'm your host, Christina Moffitt. We are excited to have Rita Pereira here today. She is with Rita Pereira Consulting. It's leadership, coaching, and consulting. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Christina. I'm thrilled to be here today. So give us a little bit of your career overview because you've had the company a while, but as we know, career paths constantly change. Give us a little bit on how you started out in your career and why it's led you to where you're at today. Oh, I'd love to. So I'm entering my 20th year as a leadership coach and consultant, owning my own business. And I'm very, very proud of the fact that I've gotten to this point in my career. And this is actually my second career. My first career, I was in public education, and I rose pretty quickly through the ranks in public education, and I got to the place where I was superintendent of schools and walked into a couple of situations that were extremely demanding, beyond normal demanding, Um, but they were great experiences. In my last superintendency, I actually had Uh, 12 people who reported directly to me. I had a $12 million budget. It was one of the 30 largest districts in the state, and I was one of very few female superintendents. So I felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders to be able to perform and do the good works for the students and the teachers. What ultimately happened was I sacrificed my health to be able to, to perform at my very best. And of course, I wasn't performing at my very best when you sacrifice your health. And so I found myself waking up in an emergency room, looking into the eyes of a cardiologist. And I was only 40 at the time. And Christina, he said to me, young woman, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but whatever it is, it needs to change. Because my blood pressure had come completely out of control. And he said to me, if you don't change this, you're going to die. Do you know how close you are to almost dying today? Wow. And I say, and I say this in the book that I wrote about this, your angels will nudge you, nudge you, nudge you. And then they hit you over the head with a two by four. And that was my two by four moment to get myself in a much better, healthier situation, and then start my own business to help other managers and other leaders to help them not go down that path of sacrificing themselves for their jobs. I think that's amazing. Um, You talked a little bit about in one of your um, blogs, kind of the balancing act, which I think this book spun out of. Mm -hmm. You talked about modern parenthood, you know, caring for parents, post-recession, the long hours and less support, you know, and that sounds exactly kind of what you were going through. And that led you to really write this book and talk about it. Um, Tell us a little bit about your book and why it came about and what you're hoping that people get out of it. Absolutely. The book is called From Frantic to Fabulous, How to Raise Your Energy, Tame Your Work, and Transform Your World in the Digital Age. 
and I'm really thrilled that it came out of the gate um, winning some awards, and it's been very, very successful. And I think that this is our new society. It's new uh, and normal now to be so spun out of control and stretched so thin. And I saw that over and over and over in my executive coaching clients. You know, I work with small business owners. I work with um, people from large corporations. I work with everybody in between. And what I was seeing over and over again was the stress level, having too much on their plates and not having the support especially after the recession, uh, acquiring so much more work and not being able to delegate it to other people. And so I thought, you know, what a, a great opportunity to be able to reach so many more people who are struggling with this. Some people might call it work-life balance. Some people might call it work-life integration. Whatever you call it, it's how do you meld your personal life with your professional life and do that so it feels like it's flowing and like it's effortless. And that's what I've created in this book. I think it's so true. You know, my mom looks at my generation. I'm one of five kids. My mom stayed at home and she says to me, I would never want to live in your generation. You know, the pressures of the Pinterest and being the perfect person and the social media and, you know, having to be on, she said, you know, when you go home, your email is still dinging. I don't know how you do it. Mm -hmm. And so I think your book is crucial at this very pivotal time. You know, you waking up at 40 in an ER is scary. You know, I'm myself in 41 and think about how am I doing with one child? You know, am I being everything I'm supposed to be and balancing? And I, I don't want to be there. So, you know, I think your book has so much timing and relates to so many people and can help them. Um, if you were to give one piece of advice, just a snippet, what's, what's one thing that we can do, you know, to really slow down and start to just kind of check ourselves on how we're doing? Absolutely. One of the things that I think is critical right now is something that I call cage the squirrels. And this is especially true with leaders and organizations, with people who are managing other people, and with business owners. We all have these great ideas and we want to do so much. And so we're piling more and more things on our own plates. And the squirrels are those bright and shiny objects that we think, you know, we want to chase. And so I suggest to my clients, let's just cage those squirrels. That doesn't mean completely disregard them, but put them somewhere in a journal, an idea journal, or on your phone, capture them, and then let them sit for a while, and then take them back out and look at them and figure out, is that a really good idea or not? Will that work for me or not? And you can do that with purchases that you're going to be making. You can do it with anything that might complicate your life more than simplify your life. So caging the squirrels would be one thing. Another thing that I suggest to people, and I suggest this to everyone that I come in contact with, is taking a tech detox. And I feel as though that is so important because 
our brains are being programmed to become addicted to these devices that we have. And this is all over mainstream media now. It sure is. And there have been books written about it, about how addictive our devices are. And our brains were not designed to have all of this information coming in all of the time, 24-7. And so if we can, just an hour a day, put our phone maybe in another room, maybe in our desk drawer, maybe um, we just put it on airplane mode, maybe we can work ourselves up to not an hour a day, but maybe it's from... 4 o'clock p.m. on Friday afternoon until 8 a.m. on Monday morning. We're not dealing with technology and social media and all of those pressures of being perfect, as you were talking yeah, about. Absolutely. If we can train ourselves to take that tech detox, we have time to think clearly and reflect and figure out are we reaching our goals? Are we moving in the right direction? When we have all of this clutter in our mind, sure. we can't think clearly about those things, and we're not performing at our best. So working with, um, you kind of niche yourself, and you kind of work with that senior leadership, which I think mm -hmm. is really, really important, because they do set the example of how their employees should respond. How do senior leaders go about following that? You know, I mean, we're all guilty of sending those emails over the weekend because it's top of mind. But how do we really get our senior leaders to, you know, really enforce that and allow those employees to have that day off? What advice do you give your senior leaders? It's important when you're hiring employees that their values match the values of the company. And it's important that your values match the values of the company. And many companies have employees are our biggest asset in one way, shape, or form within their mission statement. And so as a senior leader, you, you, it's your job to believe that, to value that, to model that, and to value your employees and to recognize that research shows us that when people step away from their jobs, take their vacation time, take their PTO time, take that technology detox time, that tech time out, when they come back to their jobs, they are refreshed, they're performing brilliantly they're not mediocre. When people are heading toward burnout because they're getting emails over the weekend and their senior leaders expect them to respond, you know, that creates a lot of stress, which can lead to burnout. Mm -hmm. When people are petted in that direction, they're performing at a mediocre level. It's mediocrity. And that's not what we want. We want the best and the brightest and people performing at the very peak each time they come into the office. And so that's what I talk to our senior leaders about, recognizing the importance of that. And now what are the actions that you can take as a senior leader to put that into place? What are the guidelines that you're going to follow for yourself and for others? I think that's amazing because people do follow suit. I mean, if you're a leader, they're going to follow your example. 
Um, you have your personal brand and your business brand kind of intertangled. Talk to us a little bit about how you handle both. I get that question a lot of, I am the face of the business, yeah. but um, I don't really feel like I need to be showing my children on my business page. And there's a very gray line. How do you kind of handle both of those uh, pieces of your social media? That's a really important question, and thank you for asking it. I had to decide early on what my business brand and what my branding voice was going to be. That's one of the first things that I did 20 years ago. I actually branded in a different way to begin with. And then about four years in, I decided this is not really working. I want it to be more personal. I want it to look very, very professional. I want to be approachable as a business owner, as a community leader. And so that's when I made the switch to using my name in my branding. I also had a bit of advice early on that was really bad marketing advice that still sticks with me. This is one of the failures that I had. <sighs> I first hired a marketing company that came highly recommended to me and a woman said to me, you're never going to get hired in this town unless you change your last name. Really? Yes. Wow. And I said, well, why do you say that? And she said, well, because your last name has a connotation of, you know, being Hispanic. And I said, well, my husband is Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so it would. And she said, I'm telling you, you've got to change your last name. Um, I refused to do that, and I fired her, but I went with a different business name without using my name because that scared me. Sure. Um, I, I didn't imagine. believe it, but it scared me. And so the freedom was, four years later, to be able to use my name and to be able to use it proudly and boldly. And so to answer your question, how do I maintain that that gray area i decided early on and i was an early adopter of social media that i would really only put business things onto my social media there's a little thing a little phrase about um if you did something and your grandmother saw it on a billboard <laughs> how would she feel Yep. Well, the lens that I look through is if I put it on on social media and one of my clients saw it, how would they feel about being associated with me? Would they be proud of what I'm putting out there? And if the answer is no, then I don't do it, you know? And I, I'm very genuine on social media. I work to be authentic on social media. But I don't ever do any kind of rants or raves or anything like that. You know, I think executive presence, I, I teach people executive presence, and I need to be able to model that. And a great place to do that is on social media. I think that's, that's great advice. We get that question often. Um, you know, it's been, you mentioned 20 years in consulting. So you've been through the recession, you've come out of a recession. Um, you know, you talked about kind of the light switch that went off with choosing this career, but I'm sure it has not been smooth sailing for those 20 years. Can you share with us a difficult time and how you kind of maneuvered through that and, um, 
what it changed in the outcome. The recession was difficult for everyone. And if you're a small business owner, you know, and if you're the face of the business, you know that can be pretty stressful when all of a sudden training and coaching might be looked at as frivolous activities and people are pulling those pieces of their budgets. I think one of the smart things that I did early on was to not pigeonhole myself into any one industry. And so I saw the importance of remaining nimble and fluid, and I was able to pivot um, from the business community, which, you know, their hair was on fire at that point in time, sure. to higher education, which I had a longstanding relationship with. And higher education still had money during the recession. And so that pivot happened very naturally, but it kept my, my, um, it kept my wheels on the bus, if you will, and it kept the bus moving forward. Yeah, I think that um, being able to pivot, we talk a lot about that mm -hmm. with small business. You know, you've got to be able to kind of pay attention to what's coming down the road. You've got to be driving the bus. You know, if the right people aren't on the bus, you've got to get them off. Um, but taking the bus to a new destination sometimes is very, very important. I uh, personally have watched you pave the way for a lot of females and appreciate that so much. And I want to talk a little bit about all the groups that you're involved with. A lot of them are um, kind of female-led groups. And I know that you've taken a, a sponsorship role with Leap and you're involved with Nexus. And I get a question a lot of how do I know which groups to be involved with? Mm -hmm. um, how do I know where to put my sponsorship dollars? So mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about how you come to the decision on what groups to be involved with and how you decide what to sponsor. Oh, this is a great question. There's only so much time and energy that one person has, as well as resources in your business. If you're allotting the buckets um, correctly, you know, you have a limited amount of dollars that you can put toward sponsorships and toward memberships and a limited amount of energy that you can put toward those things. And if you have lots of ideas and lots of passion areas, the opportunities can sometimes be overwhelming. And so what I've learned to do is to look at the values of the organization. And I look at this when I'm hiring employees, when I'm bringing on new clients. I look at the values and I figure out, is this a match with my values? Because if it's not, it's not going to work. No matter how hard you try or how much money you throw at it, it's not going to work. And I've learned that if it's a value match and it feels good to me, so one of my superpowers is using my intuition. And if it feels good to me, then I'll move forward with it. If I like the organization very, very much, I'm passionate about their mission, their values meet mine, it feels good, checks all of the boxes, then I'll move forward. That's amazing advice. I tell people too, if you're not sure, you know, join like a short-term committee. 
you know, plan an event or something before you go full on the board. But I have people say, I know I need to be involved. I'm not sure where to be involved, but I think that's, that's great advice. Cause I tell people too, if you're not excited to go to the board meeting or to the event, it's probably not the right bit and that it's okay to take a time out you know, depending on your life and what's happening in the background from those events and those boards, they'll be there when your timeout is done. So great, great advice. Um, I know you are a doctoral candidate. Mm -hmm. So talk to us a little bit about how that came into play and what you're pursuing that in. Absolutely. Thank you for asking that question. My doctoral work is in business and consciousness because I really believe that there is something larger than all of us, and we need to hitch our star to that wagon, and we need to listen to that guidance. I think that in modern times, when we're seeing maybe a lack of civility, when we're seeing profit is the driver at all cost, we need to take a step back and say, do we really believe that? Is, are, we're playing in that sandbox, but is that really part of who we are? And are we really aligned with profit is the driver of everything at all costs? Mm -hmm. And it's okay to say anything about anyone. We're accepting of that. And so with the uh, doctoral work that I'm doing, I'm really looking at the spiritual audits of companies. Wow. And do they walk their talk? Do they live their mission? Do they do what they say that they're going to do? And it's fascinating. So fun little fact about you is you're a master gardener. Yes. And so I know that you believe in taking timeouts for yourself. So give us a little tip about gardening and why that is your passion outside of your work. Oh, I write about this in the book. I believe that it's really important to take a time out and whatever that self-care mechanism might look like for you might be um, a massage. It may be walking near the river. For me, it happens to be gardening. I love to be out in nature. And I think that when we're in nature, again, we can connect with everything that's around us. And a little fun fact is when we dig in the soil, there is a bacteria that's released that goes into our nostrils and up to our brains, and it creates a really powerful chemical that gives us an instant uplift wow. in our mood. Wow. And so it's not just, you know, digging the weeds up, it's also helping us really perform at our best when we take that time out, out in nature. I love that. You know, they say kids need so much time outside, and I think that never, ever goes away. I think it's true of adults as well. Absolutely. So calendar slipped. It is 2020. What is one of your biggest goals that you would like to achieve this year? I have several different goals that I'd like to focus on this year and that I've started to focus on this year. I started a small group mentorship community last year, and it's been very, very powerful, much more powerful than I anticipated. I have eight wonderful dynamite small business owners. They're all female, 
and we've formed truly a supportive community with one another. I want to see that part of my business grow, and so I'm keenly focused on doing the surveys with the current people in that community and seeing how to make it even better moving forward. And I'm thinking about different ways that I can meet different people's needs. I have clients all over the United States and I have uh, one in France. Mm -hmm. And so how can I reach all of these folks in this powerful way and give them the community feel that one-on-one -on -one coaching doesn't give to a person, if that's what they're seeking. So I'm really excited about expanding that in my business. I am the vice president this year of the DMAC Foundation Board, and I am loving that position. And so I will take on the presidency next year. And I want to become more involved in the DMAC programming. I believe so much in community colleges and what they can do for people. And so one of my business goals, as well as a personal goal, is to help to support that organization and their fundraising. They do so much for so many people. Everything that I do, Christina, is all about impacting many, many more people. When I left my career and started my consulting business, I wanted to step on a bigger stage and I wanted to impact the world in a certain way. And I really feel as though, you know, I'm, I'm doing that. Every day I wake up and say, okay, what's on for today and how can I make the most of this? And I do it in a very positive way. And I think that's really added to my success. I will say all the people who leave a great legacy do that. They pay it forward and they look at the world and how many people they can impact. And mm -hmm. Rita, you're doing exactly that. So we were here today with Rita and we want you to check out her book, From Frantic to Fabulous, How to Raise Your Energy, Tame Your Work, and Transform Your World in the Digital Age. Rita, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure and a delight. Thanks for listening to Small Business and Startup Stories DSM podcast. Inspired by these stories, we offer a hub full of resources needed for any small business owner to grow and succeed in Greater Des Moines, Iowa at dsmpartnership.com backslash small business. Thanks for listening.